Welcome to the Life of Faith North podcast, where you can access the latest Sermon of the Week and explore our archive of past messages. To access other resources or view live content, please visit us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Life of Faith North. We hope you will find this message encouraging and uplifting as you listen. I kind of think it maybe was just maybe several different people. I don't know who, uh, everything. And I think I keep getting the sense that maybe somebody that was for don't really have something huge going on in their life or anything like that. But you learn something from it, from one of those words or something that was given. It was for you, just kind of for you to learn something. Not that you had something great going on or something just really traumatic. Or I, I have no idea. I'm just saying it's just. But it was a word that was given, and it kind of maybe cleared something up, or you learned something from it. So. I just want to say that. Uh, and before I get started and everything, I got a joke for you. <laughs> Let's start off with a funny. So these two friends, Bob and Jim, they were best friends, been best friends since they was little. And they grew up and they loved baseball. They both played Pee Wee baseball, Little League baseball, high school baseball. They, they just eat, lived and breathed baseball. Played, played Major League Baseball together. Well, they started getting on up in years, getting elderly. And it kind of came the time of Bob kind of got sickly. And they knew that Bob was fixing to pass on to heaven. So Jim goes to Bob and says, Bob, listen. He said, man, we've, we love baseball. We've played baseball all these years. And everything I said, and I just got to know, said, man, when you get to heaven, you got to find out some way to tell me, to let me know, is there baseball in heaven? Bob just looked at him and says, man, said, I'll do my best. I'll try. So day or so later, Bob passes away. So going on, a couple of weeks later, Jim, about midweek, Jim's standing there, all of a sudden he hears, Jim. He stops, he says, Jim. There's Jim. He says, Bob, is that you? He says, yeah, Jim, it's me. He says, hey, Bob. And he says, Jim, I gotta tell you. He says, what, Bob? He, says, he goes, oh, wait, is there baseball in heaven? Bob says, yeah, Jim. That's the, this is the best baseball up here you have ever seen. He said, but I got good news and bad news. <laughs> and he's laughing for the punchline. <laughs> he said, but I got some good news and bad news. He goes, Jim goes, well, what's the good news? He says, this baseball is unlike any baseball you have ever seen. It is more fun than we have ever played on the earth. He, Jim says, that's awesome, man. He goes, now what's the bad news? Bob says, well, Jim, the bad news is you're, pre- you're pitching on Friday. <laughs> That's why. That's great. <laughs> You're pitching on Friday. <laughs> All right. So, for those of us, we're coming off of uh, coming off our uh, strength of soul weekend with uh, Dr. Nick Castellano. Who all was here for that? Anybody? Everybody was here for that. Did you get something out of it? Still getting stuff out of it. We're still learning. Still talking about strength of soul. But I'm saying all that to ask this: Are you good if I erase this? Am I good? Okay. All right. So I'm erasing this. If if you didn't take a picture, huh? Yeah. So it is being erased. So I'm erasing this. So what I'm going to touch on a little bit. I mean, there was so many things when I was thinking listening to the Lord about today, about the message. There were so many things that the Lord was showing me. But one thing I kind of wanted to touch on, which is a theme that I kinda, I've kind of heard a little bit throughout us talking about our strength of soul. And it seems like in our minds, we, have, we, we sometimes we can't figure out between what is our choice and what's someone else's choice. So, write this down here. This word. Let's see. 
choice. Do we all realize that we all have a choice? That we all have the power to choose? No matter, no matter what situation, circumstance it is. We all have that power. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. When, when the serpent talked to Eve and offered up the fruit, the forbidden fruit, whether it be apple or, or what have you, did Eve have a choice? Eve had a choice. When she turned, as the Bible says, to Adam with her and offered him the fruit, did Adam have a choice? Adam had a choice. See, the enemy wants to make us think that we don't have a choice. And the reason sometimes that we think we don't have a choice is because our bodies and our minds have been trained throughout our years to be habitual, to learn certain things. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just couldn't help myself? I just couldn't help it. Or (laughs) even a popular thing, you should be a popular thing, the devil made me do it. (laughs) The devil made me, I couldn't, I, I had to do it. When the truth is, no, you did not have to do it, whatever it was. We make choices every day, every day of our life. Big choices, little choices, you know, mid-choices. All of these kind of choices every day. This morning, you made a choice to come to church. Nobody or nothing stopped you. Let's, let's go back even further. If I'm assuming everyone in here is born again. You gave your heart to Jesus, accept him as your Lord and Savior. You were probably sitting in a church, sitting in a church pew somewhere. You probably heard a sermon on heaven and hell or something like that. You felt condemnation. You felt like the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go down and give your life to Jesus. You got up out of that pew, you, you, you walked down that aisle and you knelt at an altar, or however you however you came to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That was a choice you made. He did not force you to make that choice. And the devil did not force you to not make that choice. He didn't want you to make that choice because it benefits him better if you don't. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. He couldn't stop you. There was absolutely nothing on this world, in this, on this planet, that he could have done at that moment to stop you. And even, even if in the most extreme, extreme thought of well, what if all of a sudden a meteor fell out of the sky and landed on the church that I was in and just totally wiped it and everyone else out and I never made it down that aisle? Too late. You've already accepted Jesus in your heart. You've already accepted. You've done. One and done. It really didn't matter if you got down that aisle for that altar. You, the minute you made that choice, it was one and done. I'm trying to give you an extreme example to, to, to show you how much of the power of choice that we have in our life. Now, so going back to kind of the thing that I heard, you know, uh, kind of on a, let's, 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 friendships and things have been mentioned this morning. So when somebody does something that I don't like, is that my choice or their choice? Their choice. But their choice is affecting me. Which puts me in the position of a choice. I can choose how to respond to whatever that person is doing. <laughs> give you an example. So <laughs> I give several examples, as a matter of fact. Uh, one example, so I talked about having road rage. You know, and I used to have it bad. I used to have. It. I mean, I'm talking to chase people down. You know, tell them they're number one with my middle finger, you know, knowing that they can't hear every curse word I'm saying, but hoping that they'll see my mouth move and maybe lip read a little bit. <laughs> you know, that kind of bad road rage I used to have. So, but by and by, you know, I've got over it, delivered from it. And the Lord's showing me stuff. And, you know, one thing he showed me was about me. And a lot of times when, when we, we have stuff going on, when things are in our life, the, really the first person that we need to deal with is us. That God, you know, God wants to, well, let me show you about you 
Because you need to know about you and why you're reacting this way about this situation. So you know what the Lord showed me about me? I took it personal. Whenever someone would fly up on my bumper and come around me and then come in front and nearly cut me off and nearly hit me and everything and go on down the road, that touched something in my soul. That touched something that, that was off kilter in my, in my belief. Because, see, I grew up dealing with rejection. I grew, up, I grew up being made fun of in school, being picked on. I mean, I'm redheaded, I wear glasses, and I got freckles. What more can you not make fun of? You know? <laughs> so, freckle face, four eyes, red on the head like cornbread. You know, and if I hear any of you teenagers do that, I'm, gonna, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm picking on y'all. So, so I dealt with that rejection. So when a person on the road would do stuff, I took it personal. Because as they sped away and I couldn't catch them, all I heard in my mind was, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. So that's what God was showing me about me. Then God had to show me that it, what they're doing had nothing to do with me. Them driving crazy like they were had absolutely nothing to do with me because I didn't know that person in that car. And that person in that car don't know me because if that person in that car knew me, they wouldn't have... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because chances are, I mean, if that person in that car, if we knew each other, they wouldn't have done that. If they, re if they really knew me, knew who I was, you know, or anything, anything to that effect. But you understand what I'm saying? I don't know that person in that car. That person don't know me. It wasn't personal. It was just someone else, somebody else doing something crazy. That, that what they did affected me. And I want you to hold on to that word effect for just a minute. So another story. Uh, and this was just a few weeks ago. And I'm going I'm to be real and transparent and tell you this. And I'm going to pray that you ladies hear my heart. <laughs> when I say this. So, some of the rejection I've had to deal with has come from ladies. has come from women. Rejections by girlfriends, things that women have said in my life. That really, that's caused something in my soul. So, becoming an adult and not realizing this, sometimes when things were said to me by ladies, by women, certain ways would not go over well with me. So, on our, my journey to being free from these things, again, the Lord showed me stuff about myself. He showed me how, where this was coming from, why I felt the way I did. Showing me about me. So a thing that happened a few weeks ago was um, my coworker, a young girl, uh, was talking to a customer. And the customer was kind of upset about some things. And the customer said some things that just venting. Some things really didn't need to be said, you know, and everything. And my coworker told me, well, you know, I'm sitting here. Number one, it kind of was getting all over me for her sake. She shouldn't have talked to her that way. So my boss, who's a lady, comes in, and we tell her what happened. And then I just make the comment, and, and, and this was my honest thought when I made this comment. I said, I said, well, I said, she would not have talked to me that way. Now, when I said that, in my mind, what I'm thinking is I would have handled her a little different. I would have let her say what she had to say. I would say, well, we don't need to do this. You know, I would have handled it different. And that was my honest, honest heart thought. My boss didn't take it that way when I said it. <laughs> you know, she took it as that, no, that woman wouldn't have talked to me that way. That's kind of how my boss took it. So then my boss speaks up and he says, that woman would have ripped you to pieces. She would have tore you up one side and down the other. You know, you wouldn't have done no such thing. And the, when my boss said that and said it the way she did, ooh, she hit my soul. She hit something in there. And it got to me. And I was mad for three days. <laughs> I'll just be real with you. I was messed up. It, it got me for three days. I just kind of stayed in a mood. And so, you know, I didn't say anything. I just let it go. Everything, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it, praying about it. The Lord, you know. So then, of course, the Lord shows me something. He shows me how what she said touched something in my soul. Again, 
about me. How it touched something in my soul that I need to deal with about it. Then he showed me her. He said, the only reason she said that is because there's something broken in her. That took the fire out of the whole situation. And I said, dead gummit, I can't be mad at her anymore. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I, I sit there and I thought, it helped me understand her. It helped me see something in her. There's something in her now is broken. Whatever was broken in her touched what was broken in me and could have caused an entire situation that, who knows. But see, I made the choice. I had already made the choice to listen to God. I already made the choice of letting, allowing him to show me me, show me what was broken in me. And then he showed me what was broken. And I had more compassion on her after that than, than, than anything. And that's a lesson that we can learn. And I really want you young people, I know you're back there listening, but I really want you to learn today because you know what? Uh, we don't get told a lot of things when we're young people. Because I can tell you right now, I'm growing up, and everything, so, why, why didn't they tell me this when I was young? You know? And chances are they probably were. I just probably didn't listen. So I want to raise a flag to you young people. Listen. Because you'll hear some things that will help you. You know? So now, talking about friendships and dealing with friendships, we have to understand something that, you know what? There's nobody on this planet like me. I, I am Kevin Jacobs. I'm not going to tell you my middle name. I am Kevin Jacobs. There's, I am unique to God. He created me unique. Nobody else on this planet is like me. Now, there are people that can be similar to me. I've seen people that I have no idea who they are that just about look just like me. But they're not me. And I'm not them. So we need to have, get that understanding of when we're dealing with other people, they're not like me. They're not going to think like me. They may not understand things like me. Another situation. I'll give you an example here. Uh, a few months back, uh, a friend of mine, some of y'all know him when I say this, so I'm, I'm not going to call his name, but it don't matter. A few months back, uh, me and this guy, we've known each other since we were 14. Been friends since we were 14. You know, that's, that's a long friendship. A few months back, some situation come up, and, and this friend just kind of backed away from me. At least it felt that way, you know. And during this whole time, you know, back then, uh, I'd prayed about the situation and saying that I'd, I'd prayed to ask God for restoration of the situation. And, uh, you know, we had had very little contact in between now and then, or between then and now. So I'll say back, you know, November or so, very little contact. And, uh, you know, the whole time, you know, I'm kind of knowing what's going on with me. Everything, the Lord's kind of showing me what's going on with him. And, uh, I mean, I was hurt. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was hurt and a little upset about it. You know? And uh, so, <laughs> really kind of funny. Like I said, I had prayed. And, and asked God, I said, God, you know, prayed for him, thanked God for him. You know, and, and then I asked, you know, thanked God for restoration of the relationship. So, come down to it Thursday night. We're having, sitting here and having prayer. Me and Kurt sitting here talking and just kind of out of the blue with me, honestly, I tell Kurt about the situation. <laughs> not, not the whole details. And we prayed about it. You know, had prayed about it before. I kid you not. <laughs> Friday, this was Thursday night. Friday, I get a text from this friend saying, hey, what's your problem with me? <laughs> it's like, well. And so I texted Kurt. <laughs> I said, did you say anything to this guy? <laughs> Kurt said, no. I texted Paul. Didn't I text you? Yeah. I asked Paul, because Paul knows who. I said, did you say anything to this? Because this was just totally ran out of the blue. And uh, so they, of course, they, they hadn't said anything. So I responded to him. And, uh, you know, he said, just in the text, you know, not really going into the details, you know, he, he kind of said how he, was, how he felt, and then I let him know how I felt. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And, I, and so... I'm saying that to say this. 
because of what I know of this friend, how long I've known this friend, I kind of know some, some characteristics of this friend. I know some behavioral patterns of this friend. So it didn't shock me. I wasn't taken aback. So yesterday, uh, I just I felt prompted. I called him. And he didn't answer when I called. And I thought, oh, that's a, hmm. Uh, this might not have gone the way I thought it might. Well, a few minutes later and everything, he's calling me. And everything, and we talked. And we got everything settled. And we're good. Friendship restored. So that's the power of God. That's, that's when, you're, when you're being open to listening to the Holy Spirit. That's when you're making that choice that I'm not going to react this way. I'm going to respond this way. And I've been saying that a long time, the big difference between reaction and response. Because, see, we want to, what's called knee-jerk, react to things. When somebody does something to us, when somebody cuts us off, when somebody says something we don't like, we want to knee-jerk react and let them have it right then. Why? Because we want the wrong to be made right right then. We're a microwave society. We want, we want justice right then. We want that person to know how we feel. We want them to know how they made us feel. Because in that way, we feel justified. In that way, we feel right. Like we're right. But you know what? My reaction does not make me right. My response does not make me right either. But the response opens the door for righteousness. I'll say that again. My reaction does not make me right. My response does not make me right. But my response opens the door for righteousness. So, I didn't have this wrote down, but think about this. When, when Adam and Eve fell, and when sin, said they hid themselves. And it said they made, and I believe it said they made them, they, they realized they were naked and they made themselves aprons. What did it say they made aprons out of? Fig leaves. Okay? Let's fast forward. Jesus and the disciples are heading somewhere and Jesus goes to a fig tree. The fig tree don't have any fruit on it. What does Jesus do? Curses the fig tree. Now this is something I haven't really just dug and searched out. So this is, this is something I'm going to call Kevin 101. Kevin Bible 101, which means this is my thought, this is something, you know, that would have to be studied out. But, you know, it's really kind of odd that Adam and Eve made them aprons of fig leaves. What do you do with an apron? What's an apron's purpose? Huh? Keep you from getting dirty. What do you wear an apron to keep from getting dirty from? Cooking, cleaning, work. That's what you wear an apron for. To keep you from getting Adam and Eve tried to make their own righteousness. When Jesus approached the fig tree and the fig tree had no fruit, our righteousness cannot bear fruit and will not bear fruit. And it's cursed. When we try to make things right in our own power, it all falls to crap in some form or another because we're doing it in our power and our power cannot hold it up. But with us, with Jesus in us, with God in us, with his righteousness, the righteousness that he has made us, everything is good. That didn't come out exactly like I wanted to say it, but you, I think you get what I'm saying. So, but we have a choice. And see, I think what bumped up against some of our souls in, 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 our, in our talking about strength of soul and Dr. Nick was that part of, of some of, well, what if someone does this? What if someone acts this way? Well, like my boss. 
someone does something to you or someone says something does something, that has nothing to do with you. Now, this, this is where the enemy really wants to get us in and confuse us. Because a lot of times people will say something that might be true, that might be factual concerning us. But that still doesn't make it about us. What's happening still doesn't make it about us. See, we need to understand. How many of y'all that was here, uh, Dr. Nick said a couple of things that, that I, some, I wonder if anybody really caught what he said. One thing he said was that the spirit world, the, the, the world of, of, God, of heaven, God, spirit world, is more real than this world. Anybody hear him say that? Okay. Now that kind of made your brain go, what? Didn't it? Because we think of this world that we live in, this world here, as being, as being real. This, this, this uh, uh, table right here is real. These papers are real. This chair, we think of it as being real. But when you hear that the spirit world, what's in the spirit world is more real than this chair sitting right here, or you sitting on that chair, that kind of makes our brain. Because we're not used to hearing that. We're not used to understanding that. But it says in the Bible that we are in the world, not of it. Where did this world originate from? From the spirit world. So that makes the spirit world more real than this world. Because that world existed before this one did. Which is more real? real the creator or the creation? Creator. creator. Now see, <laughs> some of our brains are kind of going, eh, because we're automatically thinking, well, what does that make me? I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. My recreated spirit is from where? Heaven. The spirit world. So I'm just as real as the spirit world on the inside. This? No. It's real, yeah, because this is the real world. But it's not as real as that. It has no bearing on that. So, with that thought, you have two things. You have fact and truth. Fact and truth look a lot alike. They're very similar. Could almost be twins. But when we're talking about the truth, the truth, which is the word of God, that truth outweighs fact every time. Every time. I'll give you an example. The fact is, is, I don't know, give me, give me an extreme, extreme example. Uh, I don't know, the fact is, I smoked a joint. <laughs> no, I ain't never smoked a joint in my life. Come on, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but no, but just example. Uh, do what? I just didn't inhale. No, it's good. Okay, so let's just conversation state. The fact is, I smoked a joint. Okay? Then the fact may be I smoked several joints. Then the fact may be I smoked a lot of joints. But what's the truth? Just that's not who I really am. You see, what, what I do out of flesh is not who I am in the spirit. And this is, this is where the enemy has got us trapped up because we... In the, the verse in the Bible, gosh, you have to give me, Kurt, I mean to write it down because it was your question that got me. When you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Huh? I think so. I think so. I just don't write, like remember right off. It might be. See, when my body gets trained to liking the joint, my body wants the joint. But my recreated human, my recreated spirit from God does not want the joint. Galatians 5.16. Thank you. So if I walk in the spirit, so what is walking in the spirit? What is Kurt's question? What does that look like? It means that I choose truth over fact. Choice. It means I choose that my recreated spirit is of God, that my spirit will rule me, 
I will choose to do the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh. That's hard. That is not easy by no means. Because, see, when I was, when I was young and coming up in the work and church and everything, and, you, and I would hear that verse, it honestly never crossed my mind, what does that look like? I just thought it meant don't sin. But when we really think about what does it look like to walk in the Spirit and to follow after things that say, see, <laughs> it's kind of as simple as this. So I was uh, on the phone Friday or Thursday, Friday, I think, with a customer. And uh, me and this customer kind of have kind of a friendship. We both like uh, heavy metal music, so we had a, a friendship striked up and everything. Well, he's not exactly a, uh, a believer. That he knows I'm a pastor. So he got to talking to somebody. It's, it's, it's really kind of funny when, when you have a friendship with somebody that's not a believer, yet they have a lot of questions they want to ask you. <laughs> you know? So anyway, he, we was on the phone, and he, he mentioned something about another friend of his that was a, um, a preacher. And, and I don't remember the exact, what was exactly said, but he, he referred to the comment about, about the word or Christianity changing your life. And I kid you not, just off the cuff, out of my mouth, I said, if you let it. Christianity, not, not Christianity, but the word, being born again, changes your life. Following out the word, reading the word, leaning into God, listening to the Holy Spirit, trusting him, changes your life. If you let it. Because I can have my Bible sitting on my coffee table all day long and my Bible does me a bit of good unless I pick it up and read it exactly. unless I make the choice to pick it up and read it but if I make the choice to just let it sit there all the wisdom that is in those 66 books does me absolutely no good right. not one bit see God does not force himself anyone he's not going to force you pick up your Bible and read it because that's not him. He's not going to force you to pray to him even though he would love for you to. He wants you to. He's not because that's not him. But you have that choice. We have the choice that we should go. Uh, let's see here. told you to remember uh, the word effect. So how many know there's there's effect and effect? Two different words. Let me write that down here. I was so excited to get to use the board that I hadn't even hardly used it before. Effect. Somebody tell me what the difference is. Besides the A and the E. Which one? This is this is gonna throw you for one. Because the way we've just kind of again, the way we've kind of learned things. Going back to English class. Oops, sorry. Effect, affect, is a verb. Effect is what happens. Effect is a noun. Effect is the result of the effect. So when we think about something happening, something that affected us, then we deal with the effect. Now, another definition of effect, which I found out that kind of kind of shocked me. I don't want to say shocked me, but surprised me because I didn't know this myself. Effect means belonging. Period. Uh, plural. So, 
when you have an effect happen. Then you're sitting there dealing with the effects, whatever those effects are. Hurt feelings. Bad emotions. Something that's getting to me. Something I'm having to deal with. Then we personalize it. And it becomes our belonging. So how do we deal with this? How do, how do we respond to this? When the effect or the verb happens, then we have to deal with the effect. I choose not to want it. It's a good example I can give for that. So, Go back to go back to road rage. Someone else's choice in their driving affects me. <laughs> the effect is that I get irritated. That irritation becomes my belonging if I choose to let it. If I allow it to. If I receive it. Or I recuse, or I choose to let it go. Or I say, I don't want that. How many times we've, we've had something that we just didn't want? We're given a gift or something <laughs> that we just didn't want. We didn't like it. It, it just, you know, and we just kind of either gave it away to someone else or, or, you know, put it away or, you know, something or other to that, to that thing. That's the choice we can make with these things in our lives. You know, and we don't have to take these. We are not forced to take these things. We're not forced to make them our belongings. Oh, I had a thought just came just now. We can choose not to make them ours. Does that make sense? Oh, that's, this is what I was going to say. We sometimes think that we're slaves to our desires. And we're not. Do you realize that you can choose your desires? You can choose to change the desires you have. Yes. See, that's a big thing that I think a lot of people who, who, who feel they're addicted to things need to understand. They've trained their brain, they've trained their body to want something so bad that it's become a desire. It's a desire of their flesh. If we walk in the Spirit... Out of the flesh, or we will feel the thing. I know I'm butchering it right now because I can't, because I got one thought in my head. But because of that, we think we cannot change our desires. Well, that's just something I do. Well, change what you do. And I know when we say things like that, in our minds, it just seems it 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 throws our brain because we can't think of it that way because we've been trained one way for so long. You see, and our flesh is really like a kid. We've trained our flesh to want certain things, to desire certain things, that when we deny our flesh something, it screams at us. Like a child that you've given candy, given candy, and that child likes that candy. Then all of a sudden you're telling that child that he can't have that candy. What does that child do? Screams and pitches a fit and throws a tantrum and, and wants that candy. And a lot, a lot of the bad things, I mean, I ain't, I ain't talking to nobody nothing like it. A lot of bad things is we give the, the child the candy to get it shut up. Just like our bodies, just like our brains. We've trained our bodies to want something, to desire something for so long, everything, that when we start denying it, our body starts screaming and crying like an addict who's coming off a drug. Their body, their brain starts screaming, and they think, if I just have this, I'll be okay. If I just get it, you know, just give me something so I won't hurt. But you don't understand, giving that thing to hurt they, you know, so they don't hurt just keeps them right back in the same cycle of hurting. Our body, you know, <laughs> shoot, silly example, chocolate cake. If I have trained my body to want chocolate cake and desire chocolate cake, and that's all my body wants is chocolate cake, then I deny my body chocolate cake, and my body starts screaming, my brain starts screaming, I want the chocolate cake. i got to have the chocolate cake. You need to give me the chocolate cake. But if I hold out and I lean into truth that who the Son has set free is free indeed, 
I like what Brad said, and for, for a, this thing that Brad said, and for a, a long time, it kind of made my brain go, huh? And that was kind of the thing, the thing I said, when he said, the Lord told him, said, son, the only way I could set you free was to set you free. And I know when you hear that, you sit there and think, what does that mean? The only way I could, that he could set us free was to set us free. The link we're missing is, is if I got some handcuffs on me and I'm chained to this board and Jesus is going to set me free, the only way Jesus can set me free is to walk up with the key and undo the handcuff and set me free. Jesus has walked up on the cross, died on the cross, went to hell, came out with death, hell on the ground, came out with the keys, and has walked up and un unlatched the handcuff to our lives. We just don't know it. Some of us just hadn't realized it. Every area of our life that we're dealing with something in, he has stuck the key in, the handcuff, and unlatched it. We just don't know it. And we, sometimes we don't feel it because we're dealing with a screaming child that wants to be handcuffed again. Yeah. We don't realize that we have the power of choice yeah. that we can choose. See, when the service ends today and I go out here and get my, my car, I make the choice of where I go. Yeah. I'm not forced to go home. I'm not forced to go get something to eat. I'm not forced to go anywhere except where I choose to go. When I, if I go get something to eat, I have the choice of what I want to eat. Whether it be Jack's fried chicken or go home and nuke a pot pie <laughs> or something to that effect. That's my choice. Nobody tells me, dictates to me that choice. The enemy wants to deceive our minds that we don't have a choice. Now, how does that work out? How does our choice wor work out with God and Jesus in our lives? Because we choose truth. We choose to lean into the truth. We choose to walk in the spirit. We choose God over this world. We choose a godly life over this world. When things happen, I choose the right, the right way, the righteous way. Not my way, but his way. Let that sink in a little bit. So I want to give you this. So when we're dealing with things, James 1, 2 through 5. Y'all probably thought I wasn't going to give you any scripture today, did you? <laughs> James 1, 2 through 5. It says, My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, Testing your faith produces what? Steadfastness. Steadfastness or strength of soul. And let strength of soul or let steadfastness have its full effect. Its effect. Let your strength of soul become your belonging. Let your steadfastness belong to you. Steadfastness belong to you. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Now I leaned on that script, on that last part of that scripture a, a lot in my ears. Ask him for wisdom. Lord, just give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. What, I, what, I, what wisdom do I need? So the wisdom that God gave me was to show me things about myself and then show me things about other people. They help me respond to situations instead of react to situations. So now he said, count it, count it all joy. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm, I left off that first part. It says, count it all joy, my brothers. So the word count is a financial term, and it means to evaluate. So evaluate with all joy. 
when you fall in to trials of various kinds. What does that mean? That means I step back and I respond. I evaluate it, I look at it, and I respond instead of react. So when James challenges believers to count it all joy, he calls us to reevaluate the way they, we look at trials. He's explaining the secret to getting to the, the other side of our most difficult moments. Look at our trials from God's perspective. That's a big one. Looking at our trials from God's perspective. You know, when we're facing things, we have one perspective. That moment. That's not God's perspective. You know what God's perspective is? God's perspective is seeing way back here before it ever happened, right here when it happened, and way down here after it's happened. That's what God sees. Here it says, I'm reading an article that the, this other person wrote that I thought was very good. It says, uh, it says, here's what the Lord has taught me about this passage. Number one, trials are unavoidable, part of the Christian experience. Let that sink in. Trials are unavoidable. Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. John 16, 33. While we shouldn't look for them or create them through foolish choices, none of us can avoid difficult times. Yeah. Stuff's going to happen because we live in a fallen world. And because people. <laughs> because there's people. And not every person thinks like you do. We don't take joy in the trial. We take joy in what the trial will produce in our life. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to say that again. We don't take joy in the trial. Because I think that's where some people went sideways with this verse. I'm supposed to go, yay, when my car breaks down. I'm supposed to go, yay, when my bank account gets empty. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. It says we don't take, well, we take joy in what the trial will produce in our lives. This trial is going to produce what I choose to lean into with God about it. If I'm choosing to lean into God about this trial in faith and respond, it will produce. Our, back to the fig leaves. The works of man produce nothing. The works of God, when we seek the works of God, produce the fruit. Trials have the potential to produce something good in us, actually helping to craft the beauty of Jesus in our lives. It says, over the last several weeks, I have found myself moving closer to Jesus. I have uttered prayers asking him for both patience and perspective, and he has been more tangibly present than ever. We are not to remain passive in trials. Let that one sink in. We are not to remain passive in trials. In other words, just lay down and let it happen. James encouraged us to seek God for wisdom during, during trials and challenging circumstances. This should tell us something. God has a way through or a way out. Let that one sink in. God has a way through or a way out. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what comes at you. God has a way through it or God has a way out of it. Every situation. Without question. So, landing the plane here a little bit. What is the big thing we can learn? I have a choice. I have the power of choice. I let God lead my choices. I choose to walk in the spirit and not of the flesh. When I choose to walk in the spirit, that's me allowing God to lead my choices. Amen. I respond and I don't react you know and I, and I want to say this too because the Lord the Lord has really just kind of shown me or just kind of spoke this to me several times specifically about this church growing the growth the spiritual growth coming up a level basically and I struggled using that term level I, re I really did 
because coming out of a word of faith like I did, you know, some people would use, you know, say the term, you know, new levels, new devils, and everything, or, or that kind of stuff, and, and it really was not having the thought or the effect that it should have. And unfortunately, some people would take it from a place of, and become arrogant and prideful. Well, I'm on a higher level than you. No. Negatory. I may have learned a little more. I may know something you don't, but that doesn't make me better than you. That doesn't make me higher than you. Because something the Lord told me a long time back, and this is, I want everybody to listen, you young people especially, listen to this right here. Something that the Lord told me a long time back. Never let somebody make you feel stupid for something you didn't know. For the simple fact of before they found out, they didn't know it either. So when a preacher stands up here and you think, oh, this person knows the Bible a whole lot more than me, maybe. Well, what can you do about it? You can get in the Word and study the Bible. You can talk to other people that know the Bible. I talk to people that know things a little better than I do. Yeah. You know? I may have to make a shift on my thinking about a certain scripture or the way certain something's supposed to go. Because, you see, it's not a single effort. It's a group effort. It's a group that... Give you a good example. And I know I said I was closing. I'm closing. When the children of Israel were walking out of Egypt, how many were close to Moses? How many were followers of Moses? I, th I think of the old Cecil B. DeMille movie when I think of this. And you see Moses out front and all those, the tribes and the children of Israel falling behind him. You had some that was right up with him. Then you had some that was way back here. But they were all still one group. Yeah. They were all still one people. That's the way it goes with us. Somebody may have a little more knowledge, may have a little, gained a little bit more, but we're still one group. Right. I don't discount you because you may not have read something or heard something or know something that I know. You, you got something I might need to know. That's how it works. You know, we don't disparage each other. I don't know where that came from. That was just out there. I, I just wanted y'all to understand. Don't ever feel small because... Or, or let the enemy make you feel small or defeated or down because you don't know something that, uh, that you think you should know. You know, because it's a group effort. When I'm going, when I when I was younger and I was going through something, I found whatever I could, a teaching, a book, or something or other that dealt with whatever it was I was going through to try to find out what how I needed to deal with it. And that's what I pass along to y'all. Find out. Find you know, talk to somebody. Find out. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just love you so much, Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word, Father. Father, we thank you that you've made us righteous and in right standing with you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the power of choice, the power to choose how we respond. Father, we thank you for wisdom, that you've given us wisdom, and that you give us wisdom, Father, in every situation. We just praise you and thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Life of Faith North podcast. If you would like to partner with us by giving, please visit our Cash App page. This can be found at cash.app forward slash dollar sign LOF North. We hope this message was encouraging to you today. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed day.